for many years to get a church. And it hadn't been easy. He had interviewed for a number of churches. And, uh, you know, it just seemed nothing was working out. And he was, he was just about ready to give up. Just about ready to figure, well, just nobody wants me. And so finally this little church called him as pastor. He's standing in front of them 25 years later and they're celebrating his 25th year being the pastor of that church. Well, he knew he wasn't much of a preacher. He knew he really wasn't much of a pastor. So he asked the chairman of the deacons when the service was over, he said, I don't understand. He said, uh, I know I'm a weak preacher and I'm not really the pastor I ought to be. He said, why have y'all kept me these 25 years? And the chairman of the deacons looked at him and he said, well, I'll tell you the truth, we weren't looking for much of a preacher to start out with. <laughs> and secondly, you fit the bill perfectly. <laughs> well, you guys hit it good, didn't you? You got the one that you needed to get, and you got a good one. So you just keep hanging on, and God's got good things in store. This morning we talked about uh, keepers of the message and how we need to continually get out the Word of God, coveting together as pastor and people with the Lord, and uh, we shared some thoughts about that. And this morning, now again, we're going to follow up with that in talking about one purpose. Uh, there are a lot of things the church does, but there's really only one purpose. Now, I got a little nervous this morning, and the reason for that was uh, in the first service, and some of you may at times come to the first service, they have this clock on the wall back here that they project up. Now, I can't read that one over there on that side because I took my glasses off. And so I can't see past where I'm at much. But you'll be thankful when I leave here that I put them back on. <laughs> but it started counting down the time to the service. I was nervous because I kept waiting to see it flash back up there when I was supposed to shut up and stop and just start winding back down again, you know, and just clicking the time off uh, so I'd know when I was supposed to get on. If God is going to use us, whether we are a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a pastor or a church member, then we must choose one great purpose in our lives. I think the great purpose that every Christian ought to have for his life is the purpose that Paul reveals in verse 20 of the Philippians chapter 1, and we'll look at some other verses in a moment, but I wanted to lift that one verse up because we find in that the one purpose that we have to have. According, he says, to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. And here comes that word. But with all boldness as always... So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. The Williams translation is out of print, but it puts it this way. In accordance with my eager expectation and hope that I shall never disgrace myself 
but that now is always hitherto by my all-conquering courage, whether by living or by dying, Christ will be honored in me. What is the one absorbing purpose? That Christ shall be magnified in my body. To me, I cannot think of any greater purpose in life than that, and that ought to be the soul and the chief purpose of any Christian, no matter what his calling may be. I hope you understand I'm not talking about a preacher, I'm not talking about a missionary, I'm not talking about an evangelist, I am talking about Christian. If you are a Christian, no matter what other occupation or position you may hold, the main thing, the great purpose is that Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now, the interesting part comes when we have to ask the question, and, and uh, I've always shared with people my, my method of Bible study will drive some people crazy, but it's a method of asking questions. I just keep asking questions. So if the main purpose is that Christ is to be glorified in my body, what does it mean for Christ to be glorified in my body? And notice he is talking about in my body. Now, The body refers to, naturally, to the everyday life, to my conduct, to my behavior. Notice what he does not say, because it's always important not only to notice what the Bible says, but notice what it does not say. He does not say that Christ is to be magnified or may be magnified in my preaching. Now, he certainly ought to be. And he certainly ought to have that prominent place, but that's not what Paul said. He was a good preacher, and you know he was. You've read his stuff. He's pretty good, isn't he? So he he understands the principles. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I am determined not to know anything among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Christ was manifested in his preaching, magnified in his preaching, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. He does not say that Christ may be magnified in my writings. And yet if you read the writings of Paul, you tell me, did he magnify Christ in his writings? Yes, he did. But that's not what Paul said. What Paul says is that Christ was be magnified in my body, in my everyday life, the way I walk, the way I eat, the way I behave myself, the way that I work. When Paul was making tents while he was living in Ephesus, he said, I want Christ to be magnified in my body even if I'm making tents. So the physical everyday life, not just the religious life. I heard a young preacher say a remarkable thing after he came to the realization of some deeper things in his life, and here's what he said. I lived on Sunday in the Spirit, but I lived on Monday through Saturday in the flesh. He said I had more sense than to know. He said that I could not preach on Sunday without the power of the Spirit, but I was an idiot during the week thinking I could live Monday through Saturday without the power of the Spirit. He woke up, and thank goodness, 
I had more sense, he said, than to know that I couldn't preach by myself. I had to have the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And yet I lived the way I lived during the week. And I was preaching in the power of the Spirit on Sunday. But the rest of the week I was living in the flesh. And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul says, I want Christ to be magnified in my body, not only when I'm preaching, but also when I'm witnessing, but also doing anything that I do, whatever that is in other words Monday through Sunday he said Christ is to be magnified in my body the Greek word there is a very interesting word it means that Christ should be great or conspicuous in my body now I got another question do you like to be conspicuous I know that uh, uh, preachers can be a little cocky once in a while. You know, we can be a little proud. If we're, you know, I mean, a certain amount of pride's good, but the wrong kind gets you in trouble. But I really, to be honest with you, I don't like to be conspicuous. Have you ever gone to a dress-up affair? I mean, a dress-up affair. You know, you got to wear your best T-shirt. Now, here's the difference in men and women going to a dress-up affair. And deacons, you may need to escort me out a little bit. I'll need help. When women are invited to go somewhere, they call each other up and ask, what are you wearing? Now, you ladies say amen because you know it's true. Because... If everybody's wearing slacks, you don't want to come in a dress. And if everybody's wearing a dress, you don't want to show up in slacks. We don't like to be conspicuous, to stand out. But men, you know, when we're going somewhere to dress up, how this works. How many of you had your wife said, you're not wearing that out, are you? My my wife and she sitting there. My I, I I was I was going to do something the other day. She said you need to change that shirt. I thought it looked good. And I uh, I was humble and I changed. Paul said that the one purpose in my life, the one soul-absorbing passion of my life is that my body shall be conspicuous when it comes to the image of Jesus Christ. When it comes to magnifying Jesus, I will be conspicuous. It is, it is like his body becoming a microscope. You can take a something that is very small, something that is maybe naked to the to the natural eye, and place a powerful microscope over, and suddenly it looms large, doesn't it? You're able to see it. You're able to get a good picture. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says to the world, the world looks upon Jesus as somebody small and somebody insignificant, but he said, I want my body to be a microscope. When people look at my body, I want them to see Jesus large and conspicuous. That's the way our bodies ought to be. You ask the average man on the street what he thinks about Jesus, and if he's honest with you, his conception of Jesus is somebody small and insignificant. 
Well, I've heard about Jesus, they might say. I, I've heard that name mentioned. I've heard some stories about him, but he's not a big deal in my life. You see, the lot of the world looks at it that way. They don't mind if you got religion. They don't even care if you got Jesus. But he's not big to me. He's not large in my life. And to be honest with you, we need to understand... Uh, have you ever noticed a Christian who has ever had only one absorbing purpose in life and you look at that man's life and when you look at that man or that woman's life, Jesus looks big. Jesus stands out. He is conspicuous in their life. Have you ever had this happen? You were on a trip or maybe just out during the day somewhere and you got in a conversation with somebody and before it was over with, you know, you, you found out you had some things in common and, you, you know, you got to sharing and, and lo and behold, they were a Christian and you were too. It was like there was something conspicuous about it. You know, they stood out. They were just different and it was great. The body becoming a microscope. Paul says, I want my body to be a, a microscope. I want that which others think to be small to appear to be large. I want them to understand Jesus is not insignificant. He's great big. He's the biggest it gets. But he also says he wanted his body to be a telescope. A telescope is something that takes an object that's far away and it brings it closer. Paul says, in my body... I want Jesus Christ to be close. When people see me, when people talk with me, when people come around me, I don't want them thinking of Jesus as somebody far off, unreachable, inaccessible. How many people have you heard make the statement, well, I believe there's probably a God or a higher being up there somewhere. Well, guess what? He's not up there somewhere. He's close. He's as close as the song says, sister, what close as the mention of his name. He's close. He's close. And when people see me and talk to me, I want them to see that. I want my body to be a telescope that brings Jesus close so they can be seen and he can be seen. He is magnified in my body. He is the all-absorbing purpose. And every circumstance that I go through in life is bent to that purpose. That's the key. You have to be right in your purpose. I'm talking about the absorbing purpose in your life. And many of us have, have lesser purposes or lesser degrees or lesser grades. And we have these, but that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about an all-absorbing purpose in your life because whatever is all-absorbing purpose of your life is that purpose takes every other circumstance in your life and bends it to the service of God. It makes every other circumstance a service of that purpose, and that purpose is that Jesus is magnified in my body. For example, if a person's all-absorbing purpose is to make money, then they're going to look upon every situation and their first thought is, how can I make money off of that? He's going to take every circumstance and make that go in line with his purpose. If a man's primary or chief purpose in life is to gain an education, then everything in his life becomes geared toward that purpose, submitting to that purpose. He's not going to get involved in anything that would contradict that purpose. 
Do you know the reason so many other things knock us out of service for Jesus Christ? Paul says to be in what? Instant, in season, and out of season. And I think in the church, we got a whole lot of folks that's out of season. Matter of fact, they're so far out, you ain't seen some of them in a while. And if it rains, Lord forbid they get out. Paul says to be instant in season. Now, that means to serve the Lord when it's convenient, even if it's out of season. Even if, you know, you don't feel like it. Even if times are bad, you don't let it stop you. You know why some people let the rain keep them out of the house of God on the Lord's day? Because their all-absorbing purpose is not that Christ will be magnified in their body. They are at the mercy of circumstances, and circumstances determine their faithfulness to God. I can tell you this. Uh, there's, uh, I don't. I couldn't tell you everything there is about you because I don't know you that well. But I can tell you one thing for sure. If Christ is being magnified in your body, it will show. But if he's not being magnified in your body, if he's not the all-absorbing purpose in your life, then you're a slave to the circumstances around you. And we use that word but a lot. Well, I, w- I want it to be there, but. And the one that always gets me, brothers, when they say, well, I c- I'm not going to be able to be there with you, but I'll be there with you in spirit. I don't believe in ghosts. Now, it's different if they say, I can't be there, I'm going to be praying for you. Don't tell me you're going to be here in spirit because that's, that scares me. Me and the choir both going out these two back doors, if that happens. Here's what the difference in Paul's life was. Paul did not let the circumstances dictate what he did with his life. Paul dictated the circumstances. If he was put in prison, he made the prison an experience. Submit to his purpose was to let Christ be magnified in his body. He's in jail. Him and Silas, they're singing at midnight. The jailer gets saved. His family gets saved. What did he do? How did that happen? Because he let the the overwhelming, absorbing purpose of his life, he let Jesus be magnified in his body in jail. He's a prisoner. And Christ was magnified in his life and somebody got saved because Paul was in jail. He got on a ship and he tried to tell him not to sail. No, sir, don't get on this boat. You better not sail. It's going to crash. There's going to be a problem. But they ignored Paul and they took the advice of those who are supposed to know stuff. He gets on the ship. The ship's wrecked. They're cast on an island. What does Paul use the experience to do? Well, he tells them about Jesus and some of them get saved. Even in a shipwreck, Paul allowed his one all-consuming, absorbing purpose to magnify Jesus in his body. He did it and it glorified the Lord. And if you follow the life of Paul, you'll find that he would preach at the drop of a hat. It didn't make any difference to Paul what the circumstances were. He had one all-absorbing purpose and was a slave and a servant to that purpose. 
I, uh, I'll never forget one time going to, I had a funeral for a, a lady in a church I was serving, but we didn't have it at our church. We had it at another church. Some of her family went to a, 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 another group of folks that wasn't quite like us. And uh, there was five or six preachers on the fl- platform beside myself. Well, I thought to myself, that's at least five too many. No, 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 don't y'all go nowhere. You had to be careful up here sometimes. I kept waiting for somebody to get up and do something. And nobody did anything. And they're all sitting there. And finally, one of them got up and did something, and all of a sudden, the rest of them got inspired. And all six of them spoke. And I'm thinking, what you waiting on? God called you to preach. He didn't call you to sit there and think about whether you got anything to say or not. You know, you ought to have something to say for Jesus. Let him be magnified in your body. It's the only way you're going to make it in your Christian life. It's the only way you're going to be consistent in your life. You need to look upon every circumstance and every situation in your life, whether it's good and bad, and say the one purpose in my life is that Jesus be magnified in my life. Now, how can this circumstance serve that purpose? It will make a difference. Look for a way to use it. We, uh, we recently went, and I told you all about it, we, uh, we recently went to England to see our daughter in England. And since I, our, and, and I, we had an interesting conversation, by the way, when I came back in for the second service, one of the brothers uh, uh, said, I thought you'd go to North Carolina. I said, well, they retired me and rehired me. Remember I told you all that this morning? And I told you why. They got me cheaper the second time around. On our trip to England, when we got to Orlando, we had a friend carry us. We didn't want to leave the car parked up there for a month because we, we had the time off we could go for a month to see my daughter and her husband and, and uh, you know, two of the grandsons we were looking for. Well, we, the uh, plane was supposed to leave about 7 that night. Well, at 10 o'clock, it canceled the flight mechanical trouble. Well, that's not good. Well, they, uh, uh, the week that we were doing that was spring break week, and all the motels was full. I wasn't going to call my friend at 11 o'clock at night and said, come get me and bring me back tomorrow. So Shelby and I end up spending the night in the airport. Now, if you've never done that, one night won't kill you. It'd be a good experience. <laughs> but let me tell you, we, we could have been aggravated and fretted and mad and upset, and we're not perfect. We get aggravated and mad and upset occasionally. By the way, 50 years of marriage, we've never had an argument. We have had several lively discussions. Now, God led us in that 24 hours we had to stay in the airport in Orlando to different people that were in that airport as well. And one in particular lady we talked to for about two hours, and we had an opportunity to witness and to talk to that young lady and others. Now, we could have been fretted and aggravated, but I I have to practice what I preach sometimes, brother. Well, I really supposed to do it all the time. But see, we could have been upset by the circumstances, but we use the circumstances to say, well, we're here, let's talk to folks. And so we did. It makes all the difference. I can tell you right now, God is not going to be able to use you until you come to the place where you say, Lord Jesus, use my body as a magnifying glass, a telescope. I don't care how you use it, and I don't care what the circumstances are. All I want to do is that you be magnified in my body. 
You guys have been together 19 years. Guess what he wants to do? The same thing he did 19 years ago, to use you all together to, to, to let him be magnified in your church body and in your individual bodies and, and people come to know Jesus. It's one purpose. Now, it has to be done in a certain manner because I want you to notice again verse 20. He is to be magnified in our bodies at any place. Look at what Paul says. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, notice these next few words, so now also. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Uh, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, uh, circle or underline those two words now also. Paul says, I've always had as a supreme purpose that God shall be magnified in my body. Now also, now let's identify the now also because that's important. Where is Paul? What is Paul's now also? He's in jail. He's in prison. And a lot of people say, how unfortunate. Poor Paul, he's in jail. You know, boy, that'll quiet his preaching down. That's going to destroy Paul's witness. He's in jail. Paul, you said your purpose is you want your life, Christ, to be magnified in your body. We'll just put you in jail and see how it works out for you. Well, Paul says, well, every other place I've been, I'll let him be magnified in my body. Every place. Any place, that's what I want. Now also Christ is going to be magnified in my body even if I'm in jail. In every circumstance. See the result when you have this as your purpose, it works. You will find it true that whenever you submit your body to the Lord Jesus Christ for this purpose, he will be magnified in any place even in jail. Now back up with me to verse 13. And see what he says. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest where? In all the palace. The Greek word palace means Caesar's court. Think about it. Caesar's court. The magnificent opportunity that Paul had. He stood before a lot of bigwigs and he stood among the poor too. But look at the opportunities he had. You know, they wouldn't let him come in and preach the gospel, so he did the next best thing when he stood before them. And the Bible says Felix what trembled when he heard the message. It didn't matter where Paul was. He said, well, you know, it looks kind of rough, you guys, being here. I mean, I'm in prison. I got chains on me. And, yeah, kind of drag you, I guess. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what the Lord's doing for you. Well, you're in jail, Paul. Yeah, but it's a glorious thing. And people come to know Jesus. The opportunity. He says, now since I have this all-absorbing purpose in my life, the bonds of Christ are manifest in all the palace. And then the verse goes on and says, in all the other palaces or places, at any place, but also at any price. See now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, in verse 20, whether it be what? By life or by death. At any price, Paul wanted Jesus to be magnified in his body. Jesus is going to be, Paul said, Jesus is going to be magnified in my body even if it kills me. You ever said that phrase for, if it kills me, I'm going to do that. 
Paul said that about talking about Jesus. Letting him be magnified in his body. He's saying whether by life or by death, it's immaterial, it does not matter. He's going to be magnified in my body at any price. Now I want you to turn over in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll pick up reading in verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but I'm not in despair, he says. I'm persecuted, but I haven't been forsaken. Or I'm cast down, but I haven't been destroyed. Always... Not sometimes, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus might also be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I believe he's trying to say the same thing he said in Philippians 1 and verse 20. Jesus is going to be magnified in my body. I'm willing to suffer. That's his testimony. I'm always at death's door. I never know when I may take my last breath. My body's been handed over to Jesus, and no matter what it costs, he's going to be magnified in my body. If I have to leave my friends uh, that I don't want to leave, if it means I have to suffer, if it means I have to be ostracized from this little clique or that little group, if it, if it means I don't get this promotion, if it means I don't get this raise, if it means I have to forfeit a sale, it doesn't matter. At any price, he's going to be magnified in my body. I want Jesus to be conspicuous. Isn't it interesting that you rarely ever meet people who offer to tell you about Jesus? One last thing I want to look at, and it's the alternative or the motive because you've got to have it all for the purpose. I wonder if you caught it in verse 20. Look at verse 20 again. There's so much in the book. It's just some, uh, some people, I, now this morning I did a bunch of verses and, and, and earlier and then I just got grabbed kind of the one here, but, but sometimes one verse will, will, will keep you awake a long time. <laughs> According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but there's the contrast, that with all boldness is always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, the word but, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but on the contrary, Christ will be magnified in my body. You see, Paul says the only alternative to Christ being magnified in my body is disgrace and shame. It's either disgrace and shame or Christ being magnified in my body. That's the motive. That's the alternative. And Christian, there's only one alternative. It's either Jesus Christ magnified in your body or you're a disgrace to Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground. There's no option three. 
Either I am ashamed of Jesus, ashamed of my faith, or Jesus is magnified in my body. That's the very reason that in some of us, Jesus is not being magnified in our body because we're ashamed of him. Now, you wouldn't want to admit to that, but if you act one way at church and another way the rest of the week, you're ashamed of Jesus. There is no middle ground. You can't be like that preacher and preach in the power of the Spirit on Sunday and live in the flesh the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday. You're either magnifying Jesus every day in every place, no matter what, or you're ashamed of him. I want everybody I meet to know that the very first step for being useful is that we are to be meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. To have one great purpose in life. The one great purpose is always that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. The reason you've enjoyed 19 amazing years together is because God sent you a man and a woman who aren't ashamed of Jesus Christ. 